Hello and welcome to another episode of Feasible Fall. I'm Chris Martin. Today we're getting uh, top 10 movies of 2015. Um, I know it's a little late here, um, but I'm going to do my best to try to get an episode out every week, if not two. The best thing to do would be to start off with my top 10 list, um, see how you... Um, hopefully you'll send me your list and any, any movies I'd missed. Um, now, it isn't really representative of, um, like, I guess the best I've seen. I mean... There are some on the list that I had to, you know, pretty much just throw on there, at least like the last two. Um, but for the most part, uh, 2015 was a pretty good year um, for most genres um, other than horror. But um, we'll get into it. And um, like I said, I want to do top 10 uh, today. And then um, I also want to share like the worst of 2015 as well. So to get a perspective on, you know, it's just some bad movies, I figured it'd be, you know, kind of entertaining to talk about those as well. But um, let's go ahead and get started. Um, number 10 um, of my, I'm just going to go from uh, 10 to 1. So uh, number 10 would be uh, the Star Wars of Force Awakens. And, you know, I mean, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but, you know, I, Star Wars, I hold Star Wars in, you know, and I, I enjoy, you know, the, um, the original series. Um, and then, you know, the prequels came out. I really, really liked episode one. And, you know, from there, it just kind of went downhill and, and it wasn't really necessarily the stories. Um, Attack of the Clones is good too. Necessarily the stories. It was just the acting and pacing here and there. And of course, some of the annoying characters, um, like we've spoke about before, but, um, Force Awakens, uh, would be my number 10, um, just because, you know, it had some good action, um, you know, the, the story was okay, it, it, you know, it was, to me, it was a regurgitation of, you know, just all the films before it, you know, getting some new characters in there, introducing them slightly, and, you know, and trying to just move forward with, uh, you know, a new series, a new take on it, and, you know, to, like like I was saying, it, it to me it was just okay, um, but you know, the film editing and the music and the action. I mean, you just can't take that lightly. I mean, it was just really really cool. Even though a lot of it, um, I think I didn't think was filmed as well as it should have been. Um, you know, like the original, just for instance, the original Star Wars and even the prequels have these like wide expansive shots. You know, just just shots that set up the scene. Whereas Force Awakens was always tight-knit, always close. I didn't really get a feeling of where they were um, in their story, you know, in their story. You know, that was a big, big problem for me. And, you know, just kind of throwing the older characters in there to be in there, even though Harrison Ford and Chewbacca were my favorite parts of the movie. Um, you know, it felt kind of pushed in there and rushed. And, and you know, it's just, everything was just too familiar to me. You know, I, I, you know whereas the movie Creed took the Rocky franchise and did the same exact thing, but I think they did it so much better. You know, they redid the, you know, the scene of them, uh, of Rocky running up the steps. They redid the uh, montage scene, but I think that they elevated it. Whereas Star Wars took all the same ideas and didn't elevate it, just kind of stayed the same, just for example. Um, but yeah, that was my number 10, Star Wars. Uh, number nine was another remake, um, Jurassic World. And this one... You know, I put it up there because, you know, yet again, it was, it brought everything else back around, you know, but I thought it was interesting that, um, 
this time around, they actually were knowledgeable about the Velociraptors, and they would, you know, they could speak to them, and I, I thought that was kind of an interesting idea, and, you know, you kind of knew where it was going, you know, just from the trailer, you know, and towards the end, but I thought that, that you know, the characters weren't all that great, but when there was action and a little bit of comedy here and there, I, you know, it, it worked well, I think. Um, but the stories and, or I'm sorry, the story, it just feels a little tired, you know, retold again and again and again. And that's why, like, I'm not that excited for, like, you know, the upcoming Spider-Man movie or even Batman versus Superman. It's just because they have to establish these characters in their world, but you still have to take the time to do that. And they've done that in every single one of these movies, and it long, you know. And whether or not, you know, they do it differently, I'm not sure. But, you know, I just don't want to see these origin stories told again and again and again and again for, you know, all these new audiences that they're trying to go for. Um, but, like I said, Jurassic World kind of rode that line of, you know, a decent story, pretty good comedy, and you know good action scenes for the most part um so that's my number nine's jurassic world and you know i'm looking forward to the next one and you know it, and at the time it was actually really surprising that it sold as well as it did it, it broke all the records until of course star wars came out but you know that was really surprising to me because i i didn't actually think that it would do that well but seems like you know there's kit for dying out there and you know, and that just felt fit the bill perfect this year. Um, so that was number number nine. Number eight was the gift, and I really enjoyed the gift. You know, it was a. Um, if you don't know what the gift is, it's about um, two two characters that kind of move and are having problems at home. They move into a brand new house, and uh, which I want to say about it, but someone starts coming by and leaving them gifts on their front step of their door um, when they move in. And you don't really know who it is. Um, there's a kind of a shady character that shows up here and there. And the wife um, stays home pretty much all the interaction with the stranger that comes by. And, you know, she lets him in the house and, you know, he gets to know them a little bit more. And there's all, like, there's all these, like, like the, the tension building is just fantastic. The overall plot I thought was great. The music was great. Um, the callbacks. Um, and I believe this is Joel Edgerton's first movie. Um, I believe it's his first movie that he directed and wrote. I'm almost positive. But yeah, it just... There's that overlying tension that builds um, kind of like, you know, like old-style horror movies, like, you know, like your 80s-style horror movies where, you know, someone comes around or, you know someone that's unwelcome kind of seems a little off uh, but just by the way they look and how they act and what they say here and there and it was mostly like dialogue driven there's no really action or anything like that but you can kind of see where the movie's going and then there's a huge twist at the end which hopefully is not a spoiler but there's a huge twist at the end and you think that it's going in a certain way and then it throws you on your head just like in you know Saw or any of those other like type of movie that twist at the end and uh, I, I just thought it was fantastic so the gift is my number eight you know I, I definitely recommend seeing it you know I, it kind of flew under the radar for the most part but 
I definitely recommend seeing it. It's very well acted, very well directed, and like I said, it was it was great. Um, that was my number eight. This is the gift. Number seven was a movie that I saw uh, recently that I wanted to get in um, because I'd been hearing such great things about, which is Slow West. It's the new or it's the Michael Fassbender Western movie. And basically, it's about a kid who, um, I believe he's like 15 or 16 years old. And he had, um, his, like, the love of his life, like, had nation. And um, for reasons you'd see in the movie, but he had to move, or I'm sorry, she had to move. And his whole, uh, uh, he's kind of like a well-off kid. And the girl's kind of like, um, more of like the poverty-stricken type character. And so she's driven off the land and he uh, goes to find her and in the process um, stumbles on a, a, across Michael Fessbender who's kind of like a, a loner who uh, gets hired by people to take them places so pretty much like a uh, you know like a guide almost in like the Revenant and so it's not really necessarily what happens at the beginning of the end it's just about the journey and I, I just love the journey it's so cool um, um, really, really quirky comedy, almost like similar to like Wes Anderson in a way. Um, there's some interesting, um, shots and an interesting take on a Western, you know, it, it, it was in a Western setting, but it didn't necessarily feel like a Western and a credit to the director, you know, I, it, 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 it was colorful. It was a really short runtime. Uh, it had tension and drama and, you know, and even though, I, I mean, I didn't expect it to end the way it did. I thought it was a really, really interesting way to end the movie. Um, I thought that the the uh, uh, the ending in particular was, like, done really, really well. And it just wasn't something you'd expect, you know. it You can kind of, you could probably see it going that way, but it, it's, it's trying to guess what happens at the end is, you know, when ultimately, you know, he's confronted, confronted with his love again, of course, you know, you get to see kind of the interaction and it really isn't what you expect. It's, it's really, really interesting and what they do with that. But that would be my number seven. And then we have, uh, yeah, sorry. That would be my number seven. The next one would be, uh, number six. And that one, um, uh, which would be a surprise to a lot of people, but it was a, like an independent, um, I believe it was a kickstarted or Indiegogo project, the turbo kid. And, you know, you could say, you know, the movie's pandering and you could say, you know, that it had a really, really low budget. So it's not worth being in a list or whatever that may be. But I just had a, such a fun time with this movie. And, you know, it just hit all the right chords with me. You know, it, you know, it had the 80s style, you know, of um, or the 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 basis, the basis of the plot is um there's a kid who um, loses his family and is kind of like in this Mad Max style wasteland and he has to like kind of, you know, just survive and um, he goes to like certain traders and finds like parts and so he's like a scavenger, finds parts, goes and sells and makes his money, comes back and like buys like like comics and toys and all the stuff that reminds him of when he was a kid and he brings it kind of like this little area that he has and um, lives there. And, you know, he comes across a, um, uh, a girl that, you know, needs his help. And so he tries helping her and that ultimately leads into like this huge battle. And, um, you know, he, uh, not to spoil too much, but, you know, it has, 
it has like everything that I like, you know, it, it had like quirky comedy. It has like gore. It had like, you know, uh, really, really funny moments. It did surprisingly had a lot of drama. Um, the pacing I thought was great, um, for what they did, you know, melding in all of these, uh, different genres and whatnot. Like I was saying earlier, like you could say, I guess I was pandering, but to me, it, it, it was awesome. They, they elevated it, everything kind of like we were saying, like, kind of like I was saying what Star Wars didn't do with its material, with, with its previous material. This took like all the eighties and Mad Max style cliches, but they, I feel like they elevated and, you know, did some new and interesting things. You could tell like the directors were just having fun out there and, you know, they were, um, you know, that you could just tell like all the scenes and everything that they were doing, you know, um, they had a plan, they used their budget accordingly. I, I thought it was great. The effects that were in there, I thought looked actually really good, better than, you know, like something you'd see on an asylum. And, um, it had like, it actually like had some really, really good drama, which I was really surprised at. And the acting I thought was fantastic. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, a film like this should be recognized, you know, a, a lot of the times, like, like for instance, Kung Fury, I guess you could say something similar that came out this year. And, I'll, you know, it was funny, but it didn't have, like, it didn't have the charm of this movie. And, you know, I don't know what the budgets were on each, but, you know, I'm sure they were, like, really, really small. But Kung Fury, you know, tackled the same genre, but it stayed within it. And even though it kind of got ridiculous, or actually it did get really ridiculous... It still was contained, whereas Turbo Kid, I thought, you know, brought some new ideas to the table and expanded on, like, Mad Max and expanded on, like, the 80s style, you know, uh, and things like that, and and I don't know, it looked great. I thought the scene setups and everything were fantastic, but, yeah, so I definitely recommend it if you like, like, you know, your, like, 80s nostalgia mixed with, like, cruel music and, you know, gore and comedy, and you'll, I think you'll really enjoy it, so definitely check out Turbo Kid, those are my number six. My number five, um, was Sicario, and I feel like this movie is not getting enough praise either, and, you know, it, it had, it had a great story, um, it really was eye-opening, uh, as far as, like, how things are done, um, within, like, you know, within like the drug trade and things like that. So, um, it's basically about a FBI agent, kind of not a green FBI agent, but an FBI agent who is kind of on her, uh, way to just trying to like doing a mission by mission by mission and not really going anywhere with her career. And she's given an opportunity to, to find, to find the guy or find the people that are behind all of these attacks um, that are happening within, um, the story, and so she gets brought on by Josh Brolin, um, not really knowing what the mission is, um, to go in and find these people that are doing all these heinous things, um, in Mexico across the border, and so, you know, the tension ratchets up, and it's kind of like the fish out of water scenario where you're watching, like, Emily Blunt's character, and, you know, you're kind of traveling with her, she's not knowing really what's going on, filmed is a way that it's kind of building almost like in um it's very similar to like Argo I'd say like just in the way that um you know they 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 have these people who don't really I mean they know what they need to do um as far as like when they're trying like they're trying to get out of the the country and you know um 
they're all they're all taught like how like to act and what to say and they go over scripts and things like that and it's very similar like the scene in that where they go down the little I guess the little market area and you know they're walking through all the people and they're hopefully not being noticed and trying not to stick out and um, when they're going to like film the movie Sicario is very has a very similar scene to that and um, to where they're going across the border and they're going through customs and as they're going through customs it like like the camera will zoom to like another car next to them you don't know if they're you know waiting to you know attack them and in the briefing beforehand they said if they're going to attack it's definitely going to be in customs like right on the bridge because once they're inside it'll be a little harder for them to do and so that was really really interesting and just where the story goes you know you have all these mysterious characters in there that build and kind of ratchet up the tension and then at the end, you know, like I was saying with like Slow Esther the Gift, it, it had like a really interesting ending that I wasn't expecting. And uh, I thought the performances were great. The music was great. Of course, the cinematography was fantastic. And, you know, I just, it's a good, you know, thriller slash, you know, drug film, I guess, or um, um, smuggling movie, I guess you'd say. But, um, yeah, I mean, everything about it, I thought, you know, pacing was really well done. Everything was fantastic, I thought, with it. So that's my number five. Number four um, would be uh, Avengers, uh, The Age of Ultron. And the reason that that it's this high on my list, or is on my list, I guess, at all, which I don't see on anyone's list, but really, if it's not towards the bottom, is I just thought, you know, you know the, the length aside, the pacing aside... I just thought that the story was fantastic. You know, just um, everybody, everybody kind of had a struggle. And we, Iron Man or uh, Captain America or Hulk or Scarlet or um, Thor, all these guys kind of had these struggles. And to have a team that big and to be able to tackle a story and actually make you kind of feel for them and, um, you know like kind of follow them in a way it, it, it just works so well you know is where as far as like ultron is being like the bad guy who's there to not only you know destroy the world or whatever but wants to break them up and you know tries his best to do so you know it it shows that you know all of them can break apart and they can come together but they aren't necessarily all trusting each other still at the end um but you know you have with these movies and with this many characters you know, the biggest complaint, and I'm one of them, is there's always like a city being destroyed, like New York or Chicago or, you know, wherever. And that's always a problem with me, at least. And in this movie, you know, there is like a city being destroyed. Um, but, you know, it's done, I guess, in a little bit more of an interesting way, even a little bit more far-fetched, though. But it is a superhero movie, something that probably would happen in the comics. So I'm not going to like fault it on that. But like I was saying, it's just, you know, Marvel's sitting there like, we need to get to action. We need to get to action. We need, we need to get to action. But I like the scenes and the sequences where there isn't the action, where they're just talking to each other, like the farmhouse sequence. I thought was fantastic. My favorite part of the whole movie. And I, I just, I, I liked, I like just being with those characters, I guess, you know, when they're on their own, I don't think it's as good, you know, it, you're just kind of, it's kind of a tease just in the next, like, Avengers movie, you know, and, you know, but when they're all together, I think that, or especially for this film, they, Age of Ultron, they, 
they pick it they pick and choose their spots they pick and choose which characters go you know with which characters in which action sequences and it's like this huge puzzle i think that that you know Whedon kind of fill, filled in perfectly and you know i mean you could say the movies are kind of like you know sitcoms in a way you know like how they're how they're created it's like all the dialogue isn't something necessarily you'd see in a regular movie but you know it's exactly what you'd see in a comic you know like the little quips and the one-liners and things like that and to make that kind of fit i think that's so difficult and i think josh Whedon did like did it perfectly in this movie and of course the action is fantastic and i don't know i i, I really 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 enjoyed it i saw it twice or maybe three times and I, I just thought it was great every single time it just got a little bit better and a little bit better and you never no little part waned or did i ever feel like there was going too long or anything like that which most people say but you know i, I just really really enjoyed it and that would be my number four and my number three film would be uh, uh, Creed. And, you know, like we were saying earlier, you know, you take the Rocky formula, you bring it in, and you try to get new life out of it. And you can tell it's, it wasn't the, it was the first movie, I think, that was not written by Sylvester Stallone. But it had, like, all the same feelings and, you know, progression that a Rocky film should have. Um, but it, it's elevated. Like, the fight scenes are the best they've, I've ever seen, like, in a movie. Um the the acting was great on most on everyone's part really and the way that you know creed was creed's the son who kind of comes by, or the illegitimate son that's in jail kind of gets out of jail and wants to fight and of course everybody doesn't want him to do it but he goes to try to train with rocky and rocky you know ultimately helps him but you know there there's drama the fight scenes are great um the only real thing that I can say that I didn't, you know, it, it was just a waning thought that kind of came and went, was, you know, he's fighting all the, like, I know he had, like, like fights in Tijuana or whatever to build up his record, you know, of, of hacks or whatever. Um, but he only fights, like, number one contenders and the best in the world when he does start fighting, like, for real, like, pro. Like, I mean, I know he was pro, but they were like more like amateur bouts, you know, where he was, I mean, I guess that's how boxing works as anyways, but you know, it was all on name value alone for these fights. And, you know, he wasn't necessarily up to the task. I don't think, and his training really didn't reflect what he did in the ring, but, or what Rocky was able to give him, you know, in such a short amount of time, I guess, didn't translate in the ring to me, you know, he used his heart, you know, just like in Rocky one to want to, to fight. And, you know, like I said, you know, the music was great. The montage sequences were great. It, it was Rocky elevated and elevated in such a way that it, it definitely deserves to like, you know, have like some awards here in award season. But Creed's definitely my number three film of the year. Um, now, let's go on to number two. Number two, which was number one throughout the entire year until The Revenant came out. But number two is definitely Mad Max. And, I mean, what can you say about it? It has fantastic action. Like, some of the best action I've ever seen. Um, a really good story. Like, really strange, but it, it made sense. But it was really strange. But you take those ideas and it it's kind of like... Where do you come up with something like this? You know, I mean, Mad Max, the originals were kind of similar in a way, but this is like taking it and elevating it yet again. And this is another movie where, you know, you take 
kind of like just the wasteland aspect and then just add to it and you know whether it's the sound design I mean the film editing the way that the cars look or the vehicles I mean um, just everything about it like like was something like as far as action goes I hadn't seen in like forever like in movies like in 10 years definitely like the best action movie I've ever seen I mean it looks clean and clear and like they were used practical effects which I thought looked fantastic and you incorporated some drama there I mean for for a film that's ultimately about everyone chasing a, like a truck like in speed or whatever they were able to add so much like drama and new and interesting things around every corner you know it wasn't just you know them hanging out here and hiding here and trying to take the best best path you know possible to certain areas but it's like it, to me it's more like kind of like a game of thrones episode it's like they'll build you up for like a like it'll like go it'll it'll be the worst of times then it'll go on it'll be even worse and you're like how can it get any worse than that and you're like the next episode gets even worse and you're like it can't get any worse than that and it keeps going going and going then there's a little slight bit of hope there and then that little bit of hope is there and then it's gone within an instant. And I'd say Mad Max is very similar. Like, you know, the hope is built up. It's taken from them. And then they go back to what they know. And ultimately, you know, some people become heroes, I'd imagine. And, you know, other tyrants or whatever fall. You know, just like in most, you know, movies, I guess. But in this one, you know, bad guy versus good guy in a way. And, but like I was saying, it's just... Every sequence of every action, there's something new. Every car did something different. Every time they tried to attack, the truck was a different uh, way to attack it. Um, they All the characters seemed like fixated on doing it. So like doing this one task, it's like they had to take this down. And um, even though a lot of the enemies were faceless, they had like these little quirks and... You didn't get to really get to know any of the characters that well, but you really didn't need to. You just, just within the the, the runtime of the movie, you had like just a feeling of how they all thought and felt and things like that. So um, I, I just like the, the fact that it's one small goal. And these goals are just set up and you kind of just see it's like the journey like I was saying with, you know, um, um, like with, with like Slow West, it's more of the journey than it is the beginning and the end. You know, of course, they're probably going to make more of these movies, but, you know, like, the acting was cool. Uh, I mean, not sorry, the acting was great. You know, I liked the uh, set designs and things like that. And and there was just a lot of stuff. I just didn't know how they did it. And you're like, man, I just hope, you know, when it, there's like a five-hour documentary in the future, <laughs> you know. So, anyway, Mad Max is my number two. And then my number one by landslide is The Revenant. And the reason is, is... A lot of people, I guess, you know, are flopping between these two. And the reason The Revenant is just so great for me is Mad Max has, like, its fantastic action and runtime, you know, and, and the way that it kind of, like, you know, it's always going and moving along. Whereas The Revenant's kind of, like, on the op complete opposite direction. But The Revenant just had more, to me, had more of a, uh, um, a good feel to it. It felt... Like like the setups, almost like a Terrence Malick film, Terrence Malick film, 
like Days of Thun, uh, Days of Heaven or Tree of Life. It had, and I know it's the same uh, cinematographer, which helps, but you're able to get a feeling from the settings that they're in. So the setting kind of brings, breathes life into these slower scenes and ultimately have these shots um, of water, of the mountains, of, you know, uh, like low level lighting, like, like, um, everything about it, like as far as the lighting and the filmmaking was on another level, just like I felt Birdman was. And the story, yet again, it's just about the journey. It's not really about the beginning of the end. And the story of Leo's, like, you know, where he started and where he ended was your typical, like revenge, revenge story. But the in-between moments, the moments when he gets attacked, you know, over and over and over again, and, you know, where most people would quit, he keeps going and going and going. Um, the ideas and the tension building, I thought, made up for any lack of action. And, you know, it had its pl times where there was comedy. Um, there wasn't any really, like, point where I didn't like it. And Tom Hardy was, like, fantastic in this, and I hope he wins an Oscar, because he is, like, a, as far as a bad guy goes, man, it was perfect. But, you know, just the scene in the, I, I guess they were in, like, I forget where they were. But I know, I know it was filmed in, like, Vancouver. I mean, sorry, like, in Canada. And, and uh, but I don't know they were in the Himalayas. I'm not sure. No, they weren't in the Himalayas. I'm not sure where they were, but they, uh, the, the setting, like, the snow setting, um, them going around and just the survival instincts and what Leo was able to overcome. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but what he was able to overcome ultimately at the end was like so awe-inspiring. And especially like it's one of those movies like kind of like different in these other ones where the ending isn't, I did not expect what happened at the end, you know? Uh, and it's it was poetic. It was um, filmed really nice. It, it, it was slow-paced, had that slow burn to it. But it was never, I never felt like, you know, this is getting too long or this is boring or it needs to speed up. I thought that every little part had its time, like had its like wincing moments. You're like, oh man, of gore. And it had its like light moments and its drama and its revenge and its hope and everything like involved like giving. And it's like the, the actions of the people tell the story other than, you know, just saying, you know, oh, we need to go do this and we need to go do that. We need to do this. It's the actions and the stories and the setups and the visuals. And then they let you kind of fill in the blanks a little bit. And those are my favorite type of movies, you know. You know, you had the tension and the drama. And like I was saying, everything encapsulated. But you get to fill in all the extras. And the, 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 sorry, the scenes and the music were placed like perfectly where it's not, you know, you're humming the theme in your head or anything like that. It just kind of builds and helps flesh out just the area that they're in. Like if he's walking, like if Leo DiCaprio's character is walking somewhere, you know, to, to have like a little bit of bass here, a little bit of like synth twang in there, kind of helps it move along a little bit. And, but Leo's like, what he went through, I, I again see, think he should get, definitely get best, best actor. This year, I mean, no contest. He should get the Best Actor award. Um, you know, just what looks like he was put through hell for this movie, and it just looks so realistic. And um, like I'm saying, even though some of the setups and where it goes, and 
you know, they may not be able to pull the wool of your eyes like like where it's going, where it ends up is something completely different than I thought it would. And um, especially through about somebody who's been through so much, you know, I, I can't spoil it, but or I don't want to spoil it, but somebody who's been through so much gets to this point and they do what they do at the end. It's just, it's like really, really mind-boggling which you how why but uh, but that, that's another story you'd have to like watch it and we i don't i do like a uh or you probably have seen it but i need to do like a um like a spoiler review as well and that could be in the f- future here and like the next week or so i can put one together um but you know it, it like the the indian attack um it's just everything when i think back on the list i was like okay what had the most memorable moments? I was like, the Revenant just sat there and was like, okay, it had like the feeling of the the, the mountainsides and the, I don't know, it sounds silly. It's just like the, the landscapes and the feeling of those landscapes and the sounds and um, the tension that the, the other characters bring into it. You know, um, I just thought it was fantastic. And so definitely uh, the Revenant was my number one uh, film of the year. And, um, yeah, so I guess that's, that'll do it uh, for this episode. Um, I want to do like sometime, um, maybe, uh, I'll probably get it, uh, record it tomorrow and probably put it up by like Saturday or so when I get a little bit more time, but I want to do like the worst of 2015 just to kind of give, I don't know, just to make a little entertaining and kind of see what you guys think, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to get to any emails today, but yeah, email me. Um, feasiblefilm at gmail.com follow me on twitter at lee van martin um, and you know just let me know what you think i mean if there's if, do you agree with some of my placings or you don't or if there's movies you thought that you'd like to see or, or movies that i missed that you wanted me to see just comment let me know um but uh yeah, you know, it, it's glad, I'm glad it's a new year. I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad to do, like, a new weekly film and hopefully get some guests on as well. So until then, stay feasible.